Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. You have your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 10 this morning, and I'm going to go to one verse before we get to uh, John chapter 10, and, uh, but you'll, you'll catch up in a moment in John chapter 10, and today we're going to be talking about some history, history 101. Today is about you, because this coming week we're going to make it about everybody else, but today this is about you, all right, and uh, we'll finally get to that in a moment. History 101. Uh, that's because I didn't have a better title. Okay. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, before I get to John chapter 10, the book of Ecclesiastes says something very interesting in the first chapter. Verse 9 it says this, History merely repeats itself. Interesting, huh? History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Now, I would challenge you to, to look around. Look around in your family, among your friends, in your classrooms, on your workplace, at, at your workplace, in our nation, in your community. Look around in this generation. What you see happening all around you has happened before. That's what Ecclesiastes says. And what you see happening is going to happen again. There are two extremes in the earth. One extreme is holiness and godliness. And another extreme is ungodliness and unholiness, wickedness. These two forces are opposed. Now, uh, you know, they're not fighting trying to see who's going to win. God is supreme. There's not some competition going on. But there is a war going on. And this war is aimed at dividing people. In fact, people have been divided over issues, circumstances, situations, ideologies, you know, forever. We can see it all throughout history. Specifically this morning, I want to take you back to the second century B.C. I want to take you to the period of time somewhere between, let's say, 175 and 165 B.C. A time whenever there had been such an influence in Israel by the Greek that things had changed drastically. The people, the Jews living in Israel, had been Hellenized, as it were. They had embraced everything Greek. And uh, since Alexander the Great and, and his conquering of that part of the world and, and then his death and the dividing up into all the kingdoms and, you know, the, the influence, the Greek influence had just continued to permeate uh, uh, societies. And it had happened in Israel as well, especially in Jerusalem. Israel sits between major empires historically. And it was like a bridge, a road, a pathway between Egypt and, and, and uh, you know, Mesopotamia or, or, or the Seleucid Empire. And, and all of these different uh, uh, groups and armies would find their time going back and forth through Israel and, and stopping off in Jerusalem and, and uh, you know, 
uh, one would conquer for a while and another for a while. And in this period of time, in the second century B.C., uh, Israel was really ruled, the, the, the Jews, as it were, were really led by and ruled by high priests. It was the high priest that, that kept the order and that made the law and that, that, uh, you know, that judged things. Even though uh, you know, there were many different kings and many different uh, conquerors, nonetheless, the Jews really did follow a religious leader, and the high priest was the man of the hour. And it was during this period of time that... One high priest, the last high priest who was in the order of Aaron, ended up being replaced by one of the leaders, a king named Antiochus Epiphanes, also known as Antiochus IV. He was, uh, you know, the Greco-Syrian uh, 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 king of the Seleucid Empire. And during this time, uh, you know, uh, he replaced the high priest because another man bid more. I'll give you more taxes. I'll give you more allegiance. And so, okay, great. Let's remove, you know, the sons of Aaron and let's put in more what we might call a secular priest. Okay. Uh, and so this priest, you know, agreed with King Antiochus uh, on the things and the reforms that he wanted to make. And it, and it really created a greater division. And the division that you saw primarily in Jerusalem and, and, and also in the outlying cities was a division between what we might consider as a progressive, liberal, let's do new things new ways, and a traditionally conservative, uh, let's do things Moses' way. Let's do things Greek way. Let's do things Moses way. But if you were anybody, anybody that was anybody in Jerusalem, anybody that was going to be uh, elected or appointed, anybody that was anybody, anybody that was sophisticated and educated, anybody that, that you know, they were Greek. They dressed Greek. They ate Greek. They, 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 they spoke Greek. They, uh, they loved Greek. And also, of course, that leads to them worshiping Greek. And sure enough, Antiochus, set up Greek statues of Greek gods all over Jerusalem. And not only did he do that, but, you know, it played so well with the upper crust, with this liberal, uh, they were called the Tobiads, you know. Uh, they were the precursor to Sadducees, okay, uh, as opposed to those who followed that last priest, that last direct descendant of Aaron, who were called the Oniads, and, um, you know, conservative, liberal, you know, um, let's follow the Greek way of life. Let's follow the law of Moses. And these two factions were really going back and forth, but the progressive liberal Tobiads, those followers of Antiochus and supporters of, of, of the new way of doing things, of, the, of, 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 of you, know, uh, you know, come on now, let's get with it. If we're going to really be anybody, we need to, we need to get with the pro. We need to get with the world. We need to be like the world. We need to be better. I mean, we, come on, people are going to think we're stupid if we're just going around following the law of Moses. And so they gained more 
authority and more power, more prominence in Jerusalem. And so Antiochus felt very supported. Antiochus, Epiphanes, he, uh, you know, uh, he had a real bad day at war <laughs> against, he went down to kind of fight with the Egyptians and the Romans showed up too. And so he kind of had to turn tail and run, actually go away. Very interesting story. I won't tell you about it, but a, a small contingent of Roman uh, 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 army said, look, we have made an allegiance with Egypt. And if you're going to come down here and you're going to fight them, you're going to end up fighting us. Now, you really want to do that? And Antiochus was really, you know, you know, humiliated because he said, well, I tell you what, let me go away and bring you back an answer. And the Roman uh, uh, um, commander took his, you know, sword out and he went over to Antiochus and he drew a circle around him in the, in the sand. And he said, now, before you step out of that circle, you give me your answer. Because if you step out of that circle without giving me your answer, it will be a declaration of war and all of Rome will come down on you. So he said, okay, okay, I'm not going to go to war with Egypt. And so he turned around and when he started back home, of course, it took him right through Jerusalem. So when he got to Jerusalem, he was kind of angry. Okay? And so he tears down the walls, he tears up the city, he... He, you know, uh, says, okay, look, here, here are my demands. Here are my edicts. Number one, there'll be no more Sabbaths in Israel. You cannot make the Sabbath a holy day no, anymore. No. Number two, you cannot keep the feast anymore. Number three, you cannot just worship one God. You can't worship Jehovah. Not going to do it. Nope. You're going to worship Greek gods. I put up Greek gods around here. And also, you know, you've been sacrificing, you know, a, a, a sheep and, 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 and cattle. Now you're going to sacrifice pigs. This is my choice. You've got to sacrifice pigs to these Roman gods. And on top of that, he went into the temple of Jehovah that Ezra had built and he takes a pig and sacrifices the pig on the brazen altar and he takes the blood and sprinkles it in the Holy of Holies. And then he changes the name of the temple of God into the temple of Zeus Olympus. Wow. Y'all getting the picture here? He was kind of upset. You cannot circumcise your sons anymore. No more covenants with God, with Jehovah. So here are the progressive liberals going, okay, all right, yeah, sure, no worries. And uh, the, the priest that had bought the priesthood, sure, we'll support that. Okay, let's do that. All right, everybody, come on. All right, we can do this. We're going to be Greek anyway. Let's, let's go ahead and be Hellenized. <laughs> Hellenized to become, you know, more Greek, basically. Okay, more worldly, like hell. So, in the process of time, along about 168 or so, the, uh, the commander that Antiochus Epiphanes had left behind decides he wants to broaden this to a, to, to a little bigger picture than just Jerusalem. And so he goes out about 20 miles outside Jerusalem to a town of Moedin, and there he meets the priest. And the priest of that area, he says to the priest, you've got to sacrifice 
to a pagan god. Here, kill this pig to this pagan god. And the priest said, nope, ain't going to do it. He said, you got to do it. He said, nope, ain't going to do it. And, and, and he said, you do it or else I'm going to you know, tear this place up. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, okay, I'm making it in. But that's what happened. So the priest said, I'm not going to do it. So an upstanding, good, wonderful citizen, uh, a Jewish uh, uh, you know, citizen steps up and says, I'll sacrifice the pig. The priest pulls out a knife and stabs him and kills the citizen who was willing to do that, saying, nope, I'm not going to let my prisoner sin. <laughs> wow. And then he takes a sword and kills the commander. This priest had five sons. He kind of went on a rampage there and killed the army that came out to kind of do him. So he ends up going out into the wilderness, Judean desert, him and his five sons, and they get a group of people together. And they start fighting with the occupiers, with, with, with the army of, of, of and, and Antiochus' army. And as they're fighting with this army, you know, of course they can't stand against them on the battlefield, so they use unconventional guerrilla tactics. And, and for the next three years, while all this is going on in Jerusalem, and, and, and you know, and, 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 you know We've got these, uh, uh, you know, one group of people wanting, hey, come on now, quit fighting, quit fighting, quit fighting. And the other group of people living out in the desert saying, nope, I'm not going to stop fighting. This is worth it. And so through a series of events, you can read the history. It reads a lot better than I'm telling. But through a series of events uh, caused by God and because of the persistence of this group of people uh, uh, out in the wilderness led by uh, uh, one of the sons, uh, the, the third son of this priest named uh, Judas Maccabees, uh, uh, the army, the, the, the Seleucid army leaves and goes back home. And so here Judas Maccabees leads his, his group into Jerusalem and they reclaim the temple and they reclaim and they you know, take away the pagan statues, all the Greek gods and, 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 and they start cleaning up the city and they go into the temple and they start cleaning up the temple and cleansing the temple because they want to rededicate the temple of God because the temple of God had been desecrated. The temple of God had been filled with, with, with uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, what Daniel 11 says, you know, that abomination of desolation. And it was, you know, it was a task. It was in their heart to cleanse the temple. One of the things they needed to do in order to cleanse the temple was to light the lamp of God, the menorah that was in the, in the temple, uh, that, that, that was in the holy place. But there was a problem. The problem was is that they did not have enough oil. They had only one day's supply of this consecrated holy oil that you had to burn in the lampstand of God. And the process of making more would take more time than what Judas Maccabees wanted to wait. He wanted, we need to get right with God and get right with God right now. We need to light the fire of God. We need to light the lamp of God. We need to light the fire of the Holy Spirit in the temple of God, in the house of God now. We cannot wait. And so, on the 25th day of the month of Kislev, which coincides with our December, on the 25th day of the month of Kislev, 
in the year 165 B.C., Judas Maccabees gave an order. Take the one-day supply of oil and light the lamp of God in the house of God. By faith, they lit that lamp. And to their amazement, as all of Israel watched, all of Jerusalem looking on, that little bit of oil that will only last one day actually lasted eight days. All the way through the week to the eighth day, the new day. It was sufficient as they watched a miracle performed by God, something only God can do because they trusted Him. And there, after that eighth day, they had squeezed the olives and purified and consecrated and, and they had holy oil then to use from then on. Uh, the, the 25th day of Kislev. This day... Judas Maccabee said, will be remembered so that each year on this day we will celebrate this dedication, this rededication of the temple, and that all Jews everywhere will celebrate with the lighting of candles, the lighting of lamps, the lighting of lights. And, you know, if you have one male in your home, light one today, two tomorrow, three the next day, four, and all till you get to eight. If you have ten males in the home, light ten the first day, twenty the second day, thirty the second, the fourth day, eighty the, 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 the eighth day, and, 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 and the giving of presents and, and the joyous time. You cannot fast. You cannot mourn. No weeping. This is going to be a happy time because we are going to remember and commemorate on the 25th day of Kislev every year what God did in the miracle. Of, of, of restoring and rededicating and relighting the lamp of God in the house of God. And we're going to, you know, and, and so this was the rededication of the temple. And, and so the 25th day of Kislev remembered as the rededication of the temple of God. This is also the season, by the way, in which an angel Gabriel went to the town of Nazareth, and there, in this season of time, some 165 years later, would appear to a young girl named Mary and inform her she had been chosen by God and highly favored. A very special time of the year. In fact, the 25th of Kislev is actually today on our calendar, the 18th of December today. In two years, it'll, be on, it'll coincide with the 25th of December. It's today. We call it Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the Hebrew word for dedication. It was the rededication of the temple, Hanukkah. A time of celebration. In fact, this morning, one of the first things I did when I got up is I you know, sent a text and wished all my, my Jewish friends a happy Hanukkah. You know, and they wrote back, you know, thank you. And, uh, you know, some of them even wrote back Merry Christmas. You know, interesting, huh? It's also the time in John the 10th chapter. In fact, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, first, 
uh, you know, I would encourage you to read the whole chapter, but let me, let me uh, first start with verse 19. When Jesus said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Do you remember me talking about division? You know, it just cycles, division cycles. You know, it was the Tobiads and the Oniads to, to you know, back 200 years. Well, they morphed into the Sadducees and Pharisees. Okay? And there were still divisions. There are divisions, always divisions going. Why? Because the devil wants to divide. He wants to divide the children of God. He wants to divide the children of God and how we worship God or if we worship God or why we worship God. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know do, do we become more like the world so the world will, will, will understand our worship or do we, you know, uh, stick to what Jesus said and, and, and so that the world can be changed instead of, you know, uh, transformed instead of just changed. You know, we're not here trying to make good people better. We're here trying to make dead people live. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that you don't just try to be better. I'm hoping today, working on you today, so that you know, it can be about others this coming week. But today, let's make this about you. You know, uh, when Jesus said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. People are always going to be divided in their opinions about Jesus. You can say God all day long, but the moment that you start talking about Jesus, people are going to be divided. In this passage, we won't read it, but in this passage, they are ultimately, uh, finally going to take up stones to kill Jesus. They want to kill him, okay? They want to kill him. Why? Jesus doesn't know why. Well, he does, he knows, but, but he, he, he says to them this. He says, for which one of the good works that I have done do you want to stone me? That's in this passage. He's saying, basically, what is wrong with this picture? I've healed. I've cleansed. I've fed, I've blessed, I've been good, I've loved, I've forgiven. For which one of these things do you want to kill me? Why is the world so against Jesus? Can't figure it out. All he wants to do is save. Why is the world so anti-Christ? Jesus was asking that question himself. Come on now. If, if you were to be more like Jesus, would you be better or would you be worse? If you were to actually make a commitment today to be more like Jesus, would you be better or would you be worse? Would you be a better version of yourself or would you be a worse version of yourself? If you were to actually make a commitment to be less Hellenized, would you be more like you know, would you be a better person? Would you be a better father, better mother? Would you be a better sister? Would you be a better parent? Would you be, a, you know, a, a, a better child? Would you be a better friend? Would you be a, a, a better spouse? If you were to actually make a decision today to be more like him, would you be better or worse? Why does the world hate him so much? Interesting. But... It has always been that opinions are divided over him. You can say God and people will not get upset because it could be any God. It could be a Greek God. It could be Zeus. You know, it could be anyone. But Jesus changes the picture. And yet he is the only one who can save. And what's wrong with him? What's wrong with Jesus? What's wrong with love? What's wrong with forgiveness? 
Forgiveness is not the measure of the person being forgiven. Forgiveness is the measure of the person who is forgiving. Love is not the measure of the person that you are loving. Love is the measure of God in your life. What's wrong with Jesus? Verse 22, let's get back to the message. Uh, It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. Why? Because it was covered and he's, he's, you know, he's no doubt getting out of the weather here. The people surrounded Jesus and they asked him, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. I love what Jesus said. Jesus replied, I have told you. Wow. Let me stop there for just a moment. Uh, No matter who you are, where you are, or what situation you're in, God has made it plain to you. Jesus has told you who he is. He has. He has. The book of Romans says that you have to deceive yourself to not believe in him. You have to actively turn off that voice, turn off that conviction in order to convince yourself that you don't believe. He has. He said, I have told you who I am. And you don't believe. The proof is in the work that I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Wow. They listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. You see, when Judas Maccabees decided that he was going to take that one day's worth of oil and light the lamp of God in the temple of God and trust God for tomorrow, that's what we must do even today. I challenge you today. You may not know what you're going to do tomorrow. You may not know how you're going to make it through this week. You may not know what you will face. You you may not know how you're going to get through the problem that is facing you this week. But there's enough right now for this moment. There's enough of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, enough of the oil to light the lamp of God in your life right now. Don't wait. Don't wait till everything is perfect. Don't wait until you see all the way down to the end of the road. Right now, today, with the faith that we have seen in history, it can repeat itself right here today. You can say yes and light the lamp of God in your life. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Just like Ezra had dedicated the temple, perhaps you have dedicated your life to God in times past. But right now, because of the hell Hellenistic problems all throughout the world and and, and because we walk through this world and the trouble that we face and and the difficulties in life, many times we need to be rededicated. We need to recommit, rededicate, cleanse the temple of God. And sometimes we can't see any farther than just this moment, than just today. But if you will take the same step and if you will say, as for me today, 
today I am going to take a step. What would it hurt? Would it make you better or worse? You'll be better. Today I'm going to take this step and rededicate my life to the Lord. You might be surprised how many people are actually watching to see if the miracle that happened in 165 B.C. could also happen in your life, that God would sustain you and that light would burn and that they would see the light of God coming out of your life this coming week. You see, Jesus said, my sheep, they do three things. Number one, they listen to my voice. They listen to my voice. God is speaking to you. You know, he's speaking to you in so many ways. He speaks directly to your heart. He affirms his direction in your life or or, or he withholds the peace of God. He's speaking to you. Don't deny it. He said, you don't basically understand it because you have decided you're not going to believe. Have you decided that you're not going to believe that God speaks to you? Have you, have you decided, have you made some decision that you think that God can't talk today or doesn't talk today? That's, that's not what Jesus said. He says, my sheep hear my voice. He said, also, I know them. What does that mean? That means I have a relationship with them. More than just an acknowledgement. More than just knowing about him, you know him. More than just a, a prayer over a dinner each day. But that you know him. He's, 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 he knows you. You know him. You know, unless someone knows you, you probably don't know them. You know, I was, uh, uh, I did a wedding some time back and uh, Tracy Bird sang at the wedding and we sat on the porch and talked a good while and it was a mutual friend of ours that I was marrying and uh, you know we had a good time but you know what uh, even though I met him I don't know him do you know how I know if I know him or not because he doesn't know me if he doesn't know me I don't know him a lot of people say oh I know him well do they know you hello do they know you? Because if they don't know you, you probably don't know them. That's the truth. That's the way it is with Jesus. He said, uh, he didn't say you don't know me. He said, I don't know you. In fact, he was talking in Matthew, the seventh chapter, to a group of people. And, 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 and he said, uh, they said but, but we prophesied in your name. And, and in your name, we cast out devils. And we did many mighty words. He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. You knew about me, and you knew what I did, and you, and you acted like me, but you did not know me, and I did not know you. Relationship. They hear my voice. We have a relationship, and they follow me. They do the things that I do. They love. They forgive. They care. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good. Well, I would encourage you to consider today Lighting the lamp of God. Making today all about you. Why not make it about you? Because history is going to repeat itself. Whatever you're facing today or have faced last week or last month or last year. In fact, you know, the clothes you're wearing, don't worry. They will come back in style. Things do. (laughs) History repeats itself, okay? Some of you, just wait. Your hairdo will come back in style. Okay, it does. That tie that I got for Christmas, you know, a hundred years ago, you know, hey, it's looking pretty good today. History repeats itself. 
the problems this world has faced, they're going to continue to face. And the greatest problem is lost humanity and a church that thinks that if it looks like the world, the world will love it. The world needs Jesus. The world needs someone following the will of God. Amen? Let's light the lamp in our life today. Let's cleanse ourselves from all of the trappings of the world. It's not going to make you weird, okay? You can still be you. You'll just be a better version of you. A Christ-like version of the person he made you. Why not? Verse 28 tells us that his sheep hear his voice and he knows them. They follow him. He says, and I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. I like that. I like the thought that I will never perish. You know, no one can snatch me out of his hand. And the father who has given them, he said to me, he's more powerful than anyone else. God's more powerful than anyone else. Nobody can snatch you out of his hand. Why not say yes to Jesus today? Just say yes. Just say yes. He's speaking to you. Just believe. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.